Um, <clears throat> so, money. Uh, we've been doing a whole series on... Ken, it's nice to see you back from Australia. Sorry, I didn't... Mean to, I wouldn't stop all the time, but anyway, it's nice to see you back. Um, we've been doing a series on Philippians, and we, but we're just going to have a three-week break to look at money. And we're going to, I'm going to be preaching this morning on what did Jesus say about money. And then Tim is going to be doing next week on generosity, what it means to be generous. And then Jonathan Killen, who's from the church up in uh, Hatfield, he's going to be coming down. And uh, what's, uh, he's going to be doing stewardship. stewardship. Thank you. Basically, whose money is it anyway? But it's going to be a really good time. So but we thought we should probably just look at money because probably things are quite tight for lots of people. And we need to be talking about what does Jesus say about money and how do we handle uh, our money really well. Can you, Tara, can you put up the next slide? <clears throat> this slide you won't be able to read. Okay, I know. I Trust me, I know. Okay. <clears throat> but there's an amazing book. Okay, if you want to get a book, it's called The Infographics Bible by Karen Sweeney. And basically she has deconstructed the whole Bible and to put it into figures, into charts and graphs. And things. So if you like like numbers, you know, you like look at it's a it's a really, really, really good book. This is just one of the pages in there, and on the left hand side, what would you call that? It's not a pie chart. What is it? Any statisticians into my anyway, whatever it is. Okay, but it's that, and what it says is the top five things that Jesus spoke about and how much he spoke about them. And what you can see is, you won't be able to read it, or if you can, your eyesight is very, very good. But the first thing, the top thing that Jesus spoke about most of all was the kingdom of God. The next thing was Father God, how much Father loves you. So all the stuff that we were singing, great song, by the way, Beckett really, really liked some of those songs. How much God loves us, that's the second most popular thing that Jesus spoke about. The second thing was faith. The, third, the fourth thing was money. And then the fifth thing was Satan. So the, Jesus, when he was walking around Galilee, when he was in, in and out of Jerusalem, when he was with his disciples, it was the fourth most current thing for Jesus to speak about, money. And we probably don't speak about it enough, do we? Because <laughs> we're all a little bit worried about it and a little bit timid. Uh, Jesus wasn't an accountant like these guys. He wasn't a financial advisor, but he was quite wise. And he knew that money can just get into our lives so, so easily. <clears throat> So much so, can you imagine one of your best friends shopping you to the authorities for a little bit of cash? Imagine that. Imagine you've got a whole, uh, like a fairly small group of friends and one of them like, tells the council or tells the government that you've been doing something wrong just to earn a little bit of money. Jesus knew that money gets into people's lives. Okay? He knew the power of what can happen with a little bit of cash. He knew it can infiltrate us, it can dominate us. And actually Jesus says, look, I, I, no, we're going to do it a different way. I want you to have a different understanding of money in a way that doesn't rob you and doesn't rob me of my ability to trust Jesus in every area of our lives. So, seven things, what we've got today, seven things that Jesus said about money. <clears throat> and at the end of it, you won't have to do this publicly, but I'm just going to ask you, what is the one thing that Jesus has challenged you about? So I hope out of the seven things, seven verses, there'll be one thing that you okay, that has really got you. That has nailed something in my own life. Okay, is that okay? So, if you can, please, can you turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read... Um, 
verses uh, 19 to 34. I'm just going to get, excuse me. Joanna, could you come up and, and read that in? What's the end of the section? 34. Yeah, to 34, yeah, great, thank you. So here we go, in Spanish. Tesoros en el cielo, no os hagáis tesoros en la tierra, donde la polilla y el orín corrompen, y donde ladrones minan y hurtan, sino haceos tesoros en el cielo, donde ni la polilla ni el orín corrompen, y donde ladrones no minan ni hurtan, porque donde esté vuestro tesoro, allí estará también vuestro corazón, lámpara del cuerpo. La lámpara del cuerpo es el ojo, así que si tu ojo es bueno, todo tu cuerpo estará lleno de luz. Pero si tu ojo es maligno, todo tu cuerpo estará en tinieblas. Así que si la luz que en ti hay es tinieblas, ¿cuántas no serán las mismas tinieblas? Dios y las riquezas. Ninguno puede servir a dos señores, porque o, o aborrecerá al uno y amará al otro, o estimará al uno y menospreciará al otro. No podéis servir a Dios y a las riquezas. El afán y la ansiedad. Por tanto os digo, no os afanéis por vuestra vida, qué habéis de comer o qué habéis de beber, ni por vuestro cuerpo qué habéis de vestir. No es la vida más que el alimento y el cuerpo más que el vestido. Mirad las aves del cielo, que no siembran ni ciegan, ni recogen en graneros, y vuestro Padre Celestial las alimenta. ¿No valéis vosotros mucho más que ellas? ¿Y quién de vosotros podrá, por mucho que se afane, añadir a su estatura un codo? Y por el vestido, ¿por qué os afanáis? Considerad los lirios del campo, cómo crecen, no trabajan ni hilan. Pero os digo que ni a un Salomón con toda su gloria se vistió así como uno de ellos. Y si la hierba del campo que hoy es y mañana se echa en el horno, Dios la viste así, no hará mucho más a vosotros, hombres de poca fe. No os afanéis, pues diciendo, ¿qué comeremos o qué beberemos o qué vestiremos? Porque los gentiles buscan todas estas cosas, pero vuestro Padre Celestial sabe que tenéis necesidad de todas estas cosas. Mas buscad primeramente el reino de Dios y su justicia, y todas estas cosas os serán añadidas. Así que no os, no os afanéis por el día de mañana, porque el día de mañana traerá su afán. Basta a cada día su propio mal. Brilliant. Thank you so much for doing that. Were, were, you, were you clapping the verses or Joanna for reading in Spanish? <laughs> it's great, really good. Was it? No, it's great. Thank you so much. We value all the different languages that are spoken in the church. It's important. <clears throat> Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your hearts will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, sorry, if then the light is in, in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, <coughs> what is on you. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. <clears throat> Just the first thing to say, what does Jesus say about money? If you can go to the next one, don't worry. Can I just ask, who feels, here feels slightly anxious about money? Yeah, I do. At times I just, I just think, oh my word. It's difficult. What are we going to do? I know, there's, I know there are some bills that are coming in. I'm thinking, oh, right, what are we going to do? But the first thing that Jesus says is this. Don't, don't worry about how you can pay the bills, your student loans. How can you ever afford to buy a house? What about your retirement? But it says this, do not be anxious about your life. That there is something about, Jesus says there is a deceitfulness about money that can get right into your lives and make you completely rob you of your trust in what the Lord is going to do for you. When it talks about um, when the sower was sent out and was sending you know, seeds amongst, all the, like, amongst the soil, and it says there was one bit of where the seed went into the soil, and then it was choked up later. It was choked by these weeds coming up. And what did it say those weeds were? It said it was the deceitfulness of money that got in and choked it. And I just wonder how many times have I been robbed of trusting God because I haven't trusted him with my finances. Honestly, I think sometimes I have done that. And then you think, oh, no, Jesus, you know, getting rich is the answer to all my problems. But Jesus just says this, please, I want you to learn what it is to trust me in your money. To trust me in my money. And then some of the other six points that we're going to look at are probably how we learn how to trust Jesus with our money. If you, like me, have been guilty of worrying about money to the point that you're not trusting Jesus... I think Jesus would say to you today, no, today, let today be a new day where you're thinking, I'm going to trust him with my money. My second point is, is slightly odd to, finish, to follow the first one. And we're going to spend a little bit more time on this second point, And then the other five points will be relatively quick. 
The Bible does not say eat, drink, and be merry. Well, it does say eat, drink, and be, be merry, but it doesn't say it's that something you should do. But what it does say is this. Give, lend, and be generous. Give, lend, and be generous. For tomorrow you'll live for eternal life. Give, lend, and be generous. Matthew 5, verse 42 says this. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. There are so many examples in the Bible about generosity. So many examples. Does anybody know the story about the woman who had that jar of oil? Yeah. Really expensive jar of perfume. They came over, poured it over Jesus, and what did the disciples say? What a waste. You're such an idiot. Why are you doing that? You know how many, how many people, how many poor people could have been helped because of that money? What, what are you doing that for? And then, and then there's the other story about Jesus, you know, that woman with the, who comes in with her two, taking the offering, comes into church. She puts the smallest two little coins in there. The monetary value is absolutely nothing. But Jesus said, no, she is the one that has just given most generously above anybody else. And the world calls us to be greedy. <laughs> Do you know that? But Jesus calls us to be generous. I'll just let you know. So when I was flying back from Munich, you know, you know duty-free, you got walk through duty-free. One, it's really expensive. Two, you don't need any of it. Three, I've eaten enough Toblerones in my life. Okay, that's probably the thing. But I, I promise you, I saw this like, this like advertising hoarding board and it was, um, it was for a watch. And I thought, oh, I'll tell you what, I like that watch. <laughs> nice one. And you, if you... Damn me, you can see it. it's on my phone, okay. And I took a photograph of this board because I thought, I tell you what, I like that watch. Very nice. And then I thought, hmm, I think I recognise it. I really wanted that watch. I thought, oh, that's nice. Don't know how much it was. And then I looked at it and I thought, to be fair, yeah, it's identical to this one <laughs> that I've had for, for ages, I've had for years and years. I've had this watch for years and years, but I saw this other one advertised that was very, very similar to this one. I thought, but I want that new one. Yeah, that's nice. I like that one. Very nice. Do you know what? It's utter nonsense. I don't need another watch. And it's like exactly the same. But the world has conditioned us to be greedy. Actually, that's the one I want. I, I, I really do want that one. The world calls us to be greedy. But we have to be concerned with being generous and being full of mercy and grace to other people. Jesus criticised the, the Pharisees for, for performing hundreds of religious duties, but they, he then said this, but you've done all these things, you've done all the jobs that you should have done, you've washed your hands, you've done the things, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law by not caring about justice and mercy. Did you know that one of the hallmarks of us as a church should be this? That there's no poverty amongst us. I find that quite challenging. But that should be one of, like the early church, they were known because they loved one another. They shared what they had. There was no one in need. It was true for the Israelites right back at the beginning. Of the Israelites, the children of Israel, they said, no, share what you have. And then in the early church, you read it in Acts 2. It just says, no, people sold stuff that they had. People sold cars. They sold stocks. They sold loads of things back in the early church. They sold things so that they could support other people. There was no poverty in the church. 
then we should be standing out because there's no poverty in our midst. I don't know how the cost of living crisis has affected you, but it, I mean, it has, it has had a massive impact, a huge impact. Like utility bills, they're just like ridiculous. I, I thought, oh my, I never thought my electricity could cost that amount. I've turned into my father. I just want to turn every light off. But then I keep making signs like this and I keep putting more lights up and you think, stop it, Duncan. But all these things and you think, oh, just life costs a lot more. But some of us will be doing okay and some of us will be struggling. And I think I want to see what would happen if, if I don't consider what I have as my own, but I consider it as ours. What would happen if, that, if we were to do that? What would happen if we were to share out our money a lot more? What would happen if we were to share our dining room tables? Just heard somebody from the church in Hatfield that said, she said, I don't ring up and say to somebody, can I cook for you? But what I do do is I ring up and say, I've cooked too much, would you like some? It's just a bit easier. So what happens if we share our our homes, what happens if we share our dining tables, what happens if we share our money, what happens if we share our broadband, what happens if we share our cars, I don't know what it is, but we should, that should be the hallmark of who we are, that there is no lack in our midst. I think that's why we say that we want to be known as people that, that care for one another, but then we also care for the community and that is why Pat and so many other people run the food bank. Alan, that's why you're going back into town, aren't you? Pat and Ken, look, there they are. They're the people that are just there. Are <laughs> doing so much. And as a, as a community, we want to be doing so much out into, to care for the community. But it's important. It's a vital part of what Jesus says, that how we should handle our money. We did have some... We did have some bills come in recently, and we had, we've had one bill that may be covered by an insurance claim, but may not. If the insurance doesn't pay out, we've got quite a big bill to, bill to pay. And two people have said to me, well, just let me know. Just let me know. Uh, you know I can lend you the money really uh, you know, straight away if you need it. And I just thought, oh, it's great. Thank you. That, that's what it should be like. We should be those that are always looking. And, and you know, sometimes it is difficult. If you are really struggling, it's hard to go and say, can you help me? In fact, there is somebody, like somebody here, like here this morning, who has occasionally said to me, oh, could you just do a little bit of shopping for me? And I quite like that. I quite like it. Because I think it means they trust me. And then we just go and do a little bit of shopping. And they're thinking, oh, thank you. And I keep saying, oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that to me. And they think, no, no, thank you for doing No, no, no. But that's what it should be, shouldn't it? But it's hard. And I'd encourage us, if, we, if we're in moments where you're just like struggling, say something to somebody you love, somebody you trust, somebody you know, somebody who's not going to say and forget about it. But no, it should be something about how we work. OK, so let's move on. The third point is this. 
Matthew 22, verse 21. We can go on to the next one, Tara, that'd be great. Look, be totally honest. <clears throat> the Pharisees tried to trap Jesus, and they said, well, should, you know, should we be paying tax to this Roman authority? It's corrupt. They're oppressing us anyway. And Jesus said, look, get that coin out of your pocket right now, and let me have a look at it, and say, whose face is on that coin? It was Caesar's. And then he said this, show me the coin for tax. And they bought him a denarius. And Jesus said to him, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And then he said to him, therefore, give what to Caesar, give what belongs to Caesar to Caesar, and give to God the things that belong to God. You know, the whole thing when Jesus was driving all those, uh, those traders out of the temple, it's because they were just being dishonest. They were robbing people. And I, I you know, I, I really try to be, like, scrupulously honest you know, in everything that I'm doing with money. But it's not always easy. How many people have had builders who say to you, well, it's, this is the price, but I'll do it this for cash. <laughs> that little conversation cost us an awful lot of money. It cost me about 20 grand when we were doing it, some work on our house. Just that conversation. Oh my word, we're, that's on the mortgage, we're going to pay for that for a little bit more. But there's something about, like, so can I tell you, again, can I see it as my confessional? I might have mentioned this before. What do you do if you drive a car that isn't you less compliant and you don't get pinged in the cameras? More to the point, what happens if you know where the cameras are and try to avoid them? <laughs> So I'm, I don't know, is that, I don't know if I'm being like dishonest in doing that, but I don't know, I'm trying to work that one out, if you can just help me. <laughs> but I don't know, but I think there's some, we, have, we do live in this culture that it says, no, it's okay, that's fine, just to sort of do it like that, it's fine. Um, you know, I, I won't mention who it, who it is, but I listened to somebody on the radio when we were, Jill and I were driving somewhere yesterday, and this uh, person on the radio was saying that her her dad had always told her to be absolutely honest in everything. And if, if she was absolutely honest in everything, life would work out. And then, but earlier on in the interview, um, she had said, well, firstly, her, her son, she was watching her son play football, and her son said, Mom, why don't you watch me when I'm playing football? And, and she said, well, I do. I'm always watching you all the time. And then, like, after some football practice, the son came up and said, so, Mum, did you saw, see me score that amazing goal? And the mum said, yeah, you were amazing, you are brilliant. And he said, I told you you weren't watching me because I never scored a goal. <laughs> and, and there was another moment, you may be able to guess it if you're following the, the news, but there was this, she had an Instagram account, and she unfollowed somebody. And then this person she unfollowed said, why have you blocked me? And then she replied, oh, sorry, it must have been a mistake. I don't know how I did it. Uh, just a mistake, sorry, I followed her back. You know, so you think all these things, you just think, oh, it's okay. Like, little lies like that are okay. But obviously the big, no, no, big lies are quite important. And I just think that God's called us to be honest. He calls us to be honest in everything that we do. Sometimes it costs us. But the, the truth of it is, when, when, Cynthia, when you shared that word, which was great you shared that from... I just, there was something about, like, we're honouring honoring God and he will look after us. He will go ahead of us. He will look after us. So, Jesus says, be honest in our money. The fourth thing is this. Just don't announce how generous you're being. Look at me, I'm marvellous. 
look at me, I paid 20,000 pounds to pay on a tax bill. So I, I don't, but, but, but he's not saying just be secretive. He's saying just be really careful of your motive. Be really careful of your motive. And he uses this great illustration of don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now he's not sort of like trying to sort of do some sort of like, you know, I don't know, weird thing of not knowing what's happening. But what he's saying is this, be so consumed with what God is doing that all of that stuff, that it doesn't matter. You're so subsumed in God's ideas and God's patterns and God's rhythms and God's generosity that actually you, you don't really consider it. You're not really thinking about it. But you just think, oh, your first default position is to be generous and to be kind and to lend money and to do whatever you can to help one another. When you give to the needy, Matthew 6, verse 2 says this, no sound, no sound, Sound no trumpet before you as, as the hypocrites in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. It's, you can tell, can't we, when somebody tells how good we're doing something just to try and get some plaudits. But the Bible says this, if you do that, you've got your credit already. You've got the, the benefit of everybody else seeing what you're doing. But Jesus says this, be generous. Be almost secretively generous. Now, I just need to let you know, anybody who gives to the church, it's not in secret, okay? I just need to let you know. Because you give via a banking system, and then there's one person that goes through the bank statements and reconciles it all to gift aid and all that sort of stuff. You just need to know that that, that is, we don't sort of like, it's not published, we never go out anywhere, you know, it's not, doesn't, it's not commonly known, but actually some people will know what you're giving in the church. That's not the point. The point of it is this, that if you're giving just for the show, then Jesus says, well, you need to correct it. Give just because you love to support other people. Give to the church because you love what is happening in the church. The fifth thing that Jesus says about money is this. Life is not about stuff. It's not about stuff. This is, I really, I really love the verses in Matthew 19, verse 21, where this young ruler says, look, to be fair, Jesus, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well on this one. My life is sorted, all these things that you want me to, I'm pretty, pretty good on this. And then he says this, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And then there's the other story that we probably know about in Luke, I think it's Luke chapter 13, where this guy builds bigger and bigger barns and he, like, he earns loads of money and he gets bigger and bigger barns and he puts more and more grain in it and it's looking better and better and then suddenly he dies. Oh, what's the point? What is the point of it? And all the people that we probably have heard or we know about who've just like got loads of money and they've become very, very rich and very, very affluent and you just think it's just worthless. There's some really famous quotes by you know, people like Freddie Mercury. He said he had everything in the world but was the loneliest man in the world. You can have everything you want, every single thing that you want, but still be utterly, totally poor. These things do not make you happier. A newer version of this that looks exactly the same will not make you happier. In fact, it will make you profoundly unhappy because you've sold out something that is so precious. No one can serve two masters. I don't know, if you, have you ever noticed that? 
the people that tend to have the least are often the most generous. Have you noticed that? Throughout my life, I, I just constantly <laughs> see that. And you think, oh, okay, but I do know some people that do have a lot, and they actually they are quite generous as well, and you think, oh, great, fantastic. But as a, by and large, as a principle, the people that don't have a great deal, they just constantly want to give to people. It says here, you can't serve two masters. You've got to choose. And if you feel that this morning, actually money has becoming like a mark, it's the one thing that you're going for above all else. Jesus this morning would say to you, no, you, you can't have divided loyalties. You have to choose. Either you're going to serve the Lord or you're going to serve money. But you can't serve both. The next thing that Jesus says about money is this. Uh, use your money very wisely. There are some very interesting stories about this. Matthew 25 it says this, so take, um, take the talents from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has been given, who has more, will be given, and he, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away from him. And it's a story, of, if you're given something, how can you use it really well and invest it? Does anybody know the story of the dishonest manager? Weird story in the Bible, it shouldn't be in there. We'll just leave it like that. No, what happens is, they, like, there's this manager, and he hasn't been working very well with his, with, with his owner's money. He's not been doing a very good job. He's been on YouTube, and he's been doing a lot of things when he should have been looking after the money. He hasn't been doing it, and the owner says, right, that's it. I've given you your chances. You're out. I'm going to come tomorrow, and we're going to sort this thing out, and you're sacked. What does he do that afternoon? He gets on the phone. Look, I know you owe quite a lot of money. But I tell you what, if you cut it in half, we'll call it quits. Bingo, right. Gets on the phone again. Somebody else, look, you owe quite a lot of money. We'll just cut it. Well, I'll take a third off, okay? If you quick, if you do this quickly, then fine. Now, it is confusing. That, should, that story should not be in the Bible, should it? That what you have to realize is this, that, that parable, it's a parable. One, it's a parable, okay? It's not a true story. It's a parable, okay? But parables often have one main theme to it that you have to draw out from it. One main theme, and some other stuff that is sometimes a little bit confusing. And the one main theme that Jesus is trying to say is this. Be wise in how you use your money. Be careful in where you invest your money. Be careful with what you do with your money. He's not, that parable is not commending dishonesty, but he's just saying, look, if you've got something, if you use it wisely, God will give you more. And there are times when I think we have seen, Jill and I, in our like, history, we've seen that actually when we had money and we've used it really wisely, God just keeps, wants to give us more. You know? And if we, if we end up being trustworthy with the thing that God has given us, you just okay, well, that's fine. I'm going to give you even more because I can trust you with what God has given you. And so there's something about using your money wisely, investing it wisely. And I think uh, Tim and Jonathan in the coming weeks are just going to talk about how do we invest our money wisely? What do we do with it? What does it look like to be generous? Whose money is it in any case that we, we're giving away? How do you use money wisely? I don't know, I think just practically there are some things that you can save money. Have you ever been through all of your money and see if you have subscriptions that you just think that is a total waste of money? Because companies really, really want you to do that. They really, really want you to be spending five pounds every month on something that you don't even know what it's about. 
I did it the other day and I had some, a 14 pounds monthly thing that came out and I thought, I have no idea what that is. No idea. Like 160 quid a year. I have no idea, just throwing it away. Well, what would happen is if we, we all went through our subscriptions and we cancelled anything that we're paying but we don't know what it's for or we don't want and then we started giving that money away to somebody that was in need. And what happens if, if you've got the money in your bank, instead of paying your car insurance monthly, which costs more, you pay it in one lump sum, and then the money that you save from doing that, you give away. There are some things that we could do, actually, where we could be really supporting one another. The last thing. Luke 14. Verses 13 to 34. By the way, when we read those verses from Matthew 6, some of these verses have come out, but I've gone to some other places as well. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because you ca they cannot repay you. For you will be paid at the resurrection of the just. You know, the world really calls us to be short-sighted in how we use our money. But Jesus says, I want you to be long-sighted. I want you to have a view of this is what happens not only now here in Collindale or in Barnet or wherever it is we live, but actually God wants us to think, now this is what happens for the future, for the long, long haul. And actually, I want to use my money in a way that Jesus is blessed, that God's kingdom comes. But I want to be investing not just now, but in the years to come. Can I just ask you to stand with me? <clears throat> um. Becca, can we come down? I'm just going to ask you the question. What is the one thing from the verses that we've looked about about Jesus speaking to us that Jesus is speaking to you? Is it Jesus saying, don't worry, trust me? Is it Jesus saying to you, give, lend and be generous? Is it Jesus saying to you, be honest? Is it Jesus saying to you, don't announce to the world how generous you're being? Is it Jesus saying to you, life is not about the stuff that we have? Is it Jesus saying to you, use your money wisely? Or is it Jesus saying, live for the final judgment of Jesus? When we face Jesus and he says, well done. That money that you had, you used really well. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to come and pinpoint an area in our lives where we need to surrender again to you, Lord Jesus. When we need to give ourselves to you, and we say, Holy Spirit, please just come and birth something within us. I pray birth something in us so that we would be known 
Lord, as a church where there is no poverty in our midst, where everybody has enough to get by, oh God. I pray that we'd be known as a generous church that cares for one another. I thank you for the multiple stories that I know of, that I've experienced, that I've seen with my own eyes of people giving extraordinarily sacrificially. And I thank you for that, oh God. But we pray now, would you help us, Lord, to do it again and again and again. We don't want to get caught up in the deceitfulness of money. But Lord, we want to change and be more like you. Father, thank you. The one thing that Jesus has spoken to you about this morning, the one thing from one of those seven points, just in a moment, Just pray that back to the Lord and say, Jesus, thank you for saying this. Help me to live it out. Just pray to the Lord for a moment. Father, thank you. be with us. If you are in this moment where you're really struggling, you're full of anxiety, speak to somebody, speak to a leader, speak to a friend and ask your friend to come and speak to me or a leader. But somehow tell somebody that the church might arise, generous, hearted, providing for one another.